the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. But I still have friends and loved ones who don't know Jesus. And in that regard, his delay is his mercy. See, let's say you got saved in the last year and you came to faith in Christ. What if Jesus had come two years ago? You wouldn't be as happy for his quick return. Who he is waiting for and how long he will wait is his prerogative. But I know that in his delay, it is mercy for as many people to get saved. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ecclesiastes. Some lose faith in Jesus because they tire of waiting for his return. Pastor Gary challenges us to realize that it's because Jesus has not yet come that others can be saved. As Christians, we have the opportunity to truly save lives. Through sharing that which we know of Jesus with others, we offer an opportunity at an eternal life in God's kingdom. We offer a way out from death. As you wait for Jesus to return, remember that many still don't know him. Through serving them, being kind, and sharing your testimony, you can save lives. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 with part 2 of his message, Understanding Evil in Our World. Solomon is no exception, because this is what he's focused on here. He's at a place in his life where he looks at all the oppression and all the evil. Those are the words he uses in the first three verses. And it causes him to question the meaning of life, and it causes him to question things about God. Now, for some people, the matter of evil in the world has so impacted them that it has caused them to question God in in two ways. Number one, it has caused some people to question the very existence of God. The, The problem of evil in our world has caused some people to question the very existence of God. This may be the very thing that some of you wrestle with. Some of your friends wrestle with. There might be people later, later who will watch this by video or listen to it by podcast, and, and you'll say, yeah, yeah, that's kind of my story. I, I wrestle with the existence of God because I see all this evil, I see all this oppression, I see all this injustice in the world, and it seems that all those things are incompatible with a loving God. And so many people who have postulated this, this question in their minds and in their hearts wrestle with all this. Because after all, how do you reconcile evil in the world with an all-loving God? And some would say if evil is allowed to exist, then maybe God doesn't. Oppression, injustice, and evil, 
seem more consistent with a non-existent God than with an all-loving God, some would say. And some would say that pain and suffering in the world and in their lives personally is evidence for the absence of God because a true God would not allow such evil to exist, therefore God must not exist. And that's how some of the reasoning goes. Now, I'm, I'm going to give a logical answer to that, but before I do, I want to say in advance that I understand giving a logical answer can seem insensitive because people who have been deeply impacted by some oppression, injustice, or evil personally that they've experienced are not really at a place where they want to hear a logical answer, and I get that. And I don't want to appear insensitive and just kind of come out with some kind of a trite logical answer. But on the other hand, I don't want the question to go unaddressed either. So I, I submit to you a logical explanation to that question. Can God even exist in the midst of an evil world? And, and I draw this in large part from a great apologist of our modern times, Ravi Zacharias. And I would encourage any of you, you can get a hold of Anything that Ravi Zacharias has written, it will help you immensely to sort out some things. I mean, you know, he's a brilliant uh, apologist and theologian. And in fact, if you want help on a personal level with some of this uh, at a deeper level, um, you can, I encourage you to get one of his books that he wrote entitled, Why Suffering? And then the subtitle is Finding Meaning and Comfort When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Again, the author is Ravi Zacharias, and the title is Why Suffering? Finding meaning and comfort when life doesn't make sense. And so this is one of the logical arguments that he makes in the book about how it is true that God exists even though there's evil in the world. And so the reasoning goes like this. If evil exists, and I think we all will admit and acknowledge that evil exists in our world. If evil exists, then one must assume that good exists in order to know the difference. And if good exists, then one must assume that a moral law exists by which one can differentiate between good and evil. And if a moral law exists, then one must recognize that there has to be a supreme moral law giver to the moral law, and thus that leads one to the existence of God. You see, where there is no moral law giver, then there can be no moral law. If there is no moral law, then there can be no definition of good. If there's no definition of good, then there can be no evil. But all of us know that there's evil. So the logic of the argument is that God exists, but God exists apart from all the evil in the world. And therefore, God has to remain in the paradigm of the, of the conversation. Otherwise, the question itself has no value. Now, questioning the existence of God was not Solomon's issue. He did not question whether God exists because there are many times that he makes reference to God throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon's issue was not that he questioned the existence of God. Solomon's issue was something that others might wrestle with, and that is the goodness of God. He questioned the goodness of God, not the existence of God. And if injustice and evil and wickedness in the world don't cause you to question the existence of God, it may cause you to question the goodness of God. This was Solomon's challenge. Uh, and, and the question that goes with this is, why would a good God tolerate such injustice and evil in our world? How can a good God stand idly by while so many people are so horribly impacted by the evil in our world? Now, these are hard questions. 
And these are real questions offered by real people who experience real pain and real confusion in our world as a result of all the oppression, injustice, and evil around us. And some of you here today are asking similar questions. And if not you, your friends. And, and I pray and trust that at some point, if not in the course of this Bible study, that afterwards, at some point, God's going to bear witness to your heart about his existence and about his goodness. And so let me frame the conversation this way. And in order to do it justice, I have to go all the way back to the beginning to where stories start. And that is to the book of beginnings. And that's the book of Genesis. Now, you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to summarize some events from Genesis so we can get a better understanding about evil and injustice and oppression in the world and the fact still that God exists and that God is good. So in the book of Genesis, here's what we learn. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Six days of creation. After each day of creation, God looked at what he created and said, it is good. After the sixth day, when God created mankind, he said, it is very good. It is very good. At some undisclosed time prior to the creation of the universe, God created angelic beings. Because Job 38 verse 7 tells us that the angels were present rejoicing and singing praises at the time that the universe was created. So at some point in time, angels were created prior to the universe, the heavens and the earth. They're there giving praise to God for creation. Among the angelic beings that God creates was one guardian cherub. Ezekiel 28 describes this angelic being as supremely beautiful, and ranking among the highest of the angelic order. His name was Lucifer or Satan. The Bible says in Ezekiel 28 that when God created him, he was Satan's being, Lucifer's actual being, was inlaid with precious gems and stones and framed with gold. I mean, he must have been an incredibly beautiful angel to behold. But Ezekiel 28 also tells us that on account of his beauty, pride filled his heart. And that he not only wanted to be like God, the Bible says he wanted to be God. And so he rebelled against God. And he led an undisclosed number of angels with him in this coup. But Revelation chapter 12 tells us that Satan and his angels were not powerful enough And thus, God expelled them from heaven and kicked them out of heaven and hurled them to the earth. Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, because Jesus is God and has coexisted, being co-eternal with God. Jesus even said in Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus saw when Satan was expelled from heaven to earth along with his other angels that had been a part of this rebellion who are now today otherwise known as demons. When Satan first appears in the Bible on earth, it's in the Garden of Eden, in the Genesis account. Garden of Eden was paradise on earth. It was perfect. And in the Garden of Eden, God had placed Adam and then immediately thereafter Eve. And the first man and first woman had it great. But unfortunately, Satan targeted them as the crown jewel of God's creation. Satan, in his hostility towards God and his rebellion towards God, targeted Adam and Eve and persuaded them and convinced them that God was not good. 
and that God was actually holding back on them. And that if they were to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their eyes would be open, they would be wise like God. It was the one thing, the one and only thing that God had instructed Adam and Eve. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Literally, the dying process will begin. The reason why God gave them that option was so that their relationship with God would be based on love, not on law. You see, if God had not put the option of choice in the equation, then mankind would have been relegated to a relationship with God because he was forced to. He's like a robot. This is what I have to do. This is how I'm programmed. But God said, there's going to be one tree in the garden amongst all these other wonderful trees. This one tree, don't eat of it. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So that they could choose life, choose God. But Satan persuaded them, don't believe God. Did God really say? And they ate of that tree. And when they did, they joined Satan in his rebellion against God. Sin filled their hearts, sin filled the human race, and the human race became corrupt. Shortly thereafter, immediately thereafter, you see all the imaginable and unimaginable sins and wickedness and evil manifest in the human race. You just see, you see the first murder before you get barely out of the first couple of chapters where Cain kills his brother Abel. And on and on you go. You see all the injustice and evil and wickedness. You see murder. You see betrayal. You see adultery. You see slavery. You see all kinds of hatred. You see everything against man against man, man against God. It's just a horrific scene. And thus the world became corrupt. Humanity was spoiled. Listen, if if you want to get mad at somebody for the way the world is so wicked and evil and oppressive and unjust, don't get mad at God. Listen, get mad at Satan or get mad at the fallen human race, but don't raise a fist in anger to God. The reason why we see all that we see around this world is because there was an instigator behind it, and his name was Satan. And he persuaded mankind to rebel against God. And ever since then, humanity in its fallen state now manifests all this wickedness and evil in our world. And Satan is still alive and well in his influence. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 verse 19, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That's what the Bible teaches. Satan is still at work influencing in a major way The world's ideals and ideas and opinions and values and thoughts and actions. He influences philosophies and education. He influences and he's the reason behind false religions that have been spawned as a result of his lies and his deception. This is all Satan's playground and he's having a heyday with humanity. The Bible calls him the ruler of the kingdom of the air in Ephesians 2.2. The Bible says that he's the one who leads the whole world astray in Revelation 12.9. And Jesus said of him that he's the prince of this world in John 12.31. So Solomon sees this. He sees all the injustice, the evil, the wickedness in the world. Whether or not he understands the dynamics of Satan behind it is unknown to us. But he sees the result for sure. He sees all of this, and it weighs him down. And he's depressed about life, and he, and he questions the meaning of life, and he questions God in the midst of all this oppression and evil and injustice. And so here in verse 1, look again at the text. So what happens is here that he says in verse 1, I saw the tears of the oppressed. 
I saw the tears. He, he saw hurting people. He saw people who were in pain and distress from the evil in the world, crying and weeping. F.B. Meyer once said, quote, Through all the centuries, tears have flowed enough to float a navy. And it's true. I mean, if you could bottle up all the tears that humanity has shed in the course of the past several millennia just in dealing with oppression and evil and injustice in the world, I mean, there's a lot of tears that have been shed. And Solomon says, I see all this. It troubles me. He also notes in the rest of verse 1, and I saw the power was on the side of the oppressors. He says, it grieved me how much bad people were able to get away with bad things. And then he says in verse 2, he says, And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who were still alive. In other words, he says, you know, the dead are better off than the living because at least the dead now are gone and they don't have to experience this misery on earth. But then he takes it a step further. And in verse 3, he says, But better than both, better than living and the dead, is he who has not yet been who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. In other words, Solomon says that the one who has an advantage over the living and the dead is a person who has not yet been born because they haven't experienced any of it. Now look, I think all of us would agree. Yeah, I, I hear you, Solomon. I wish we could all be spared from having to see and experience and be a part of the evil and injustice and oppression in our world. I wish paradise had never been lost. I look at my grandkids now and, and I think to myself, what will they be exposed to in the course of their life that try as best as they might, their parents or their grandparents can't protect their innocence from? Because look at how the world has changed in the last 50 years, in the last 15 years. And I think to myself, what will the next generation be exposed to in 15 years from now? In 50 years from now? I shudder to think. Because some of the things that we're experiencing now wasn't even on the radar to our parents' generation. So what does that mean for the next generation and the generation after them? Yes, the world is evil. Yes, the world is wicked. Yes, the world is full of oppression. But Solomon's problem in the midst of that was, once again... He lost sight of God. He looked at all this horizontal mess and he says, this is troubling to me. I, I don't even know about God. And I don't even, I don't even, I'm, I'm questioning all that. And I'm questioning the meaning and purpose of life. And how do we know that he lost, God and, lost sight of God in the, in the equation? Because, again, he says twice in verse 1 as it relates to the oppressed. Twice in verse 1. And they have no comforter. And they have no comforter. Yes, they do, Solomon. Yes, they do. The Lord is our comforter. But you have forgotten him because you have forsaken him. And you don't even remember the words of your father, Solomon. Because David got it. And David understood. That's why David would write in Psalm 86, verses 7 and 17. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, Lord, for you will answer me. For you, O Lord, have helped me. And you, O Lord, have comforted me. Even Solomon's dad understood this. But Solomon lost sight of the God of his fathers. And therefore, as he looked at all the stuff on the landscape of humanity, he became depressed about it. 
And he forgot, okay, in the midst of all this, that's right, that's right. Even my father said that God is our comforter and God is our ever-present help in time of need. And God is the one who will never forsake me. And God is the one who will never abandon me. And God is the one who loves me in the midst of all this chaos and wickedness. He lost sight of it. And he lost sight of this other question. And who will judge all the injustice and oppression and wickedness in the world? God will. God will. Jude verses 14 and 15 says, See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts that they have done. So, if I could just summarize this in a few bullet points, here's what it would be. First, evil does exist, but it exists apart from God. God is not the author of it, Satan is. It is Satan's influence, his wickedness that has instigated and been behind what we see as a part of the fallen race now of humanity. Evil does exist, but apart from God. The perfect world God intended for us was spoiled a long time ago when Satan rebelled and mankind sinned against God. And as a result, every form of evil and injustice now affects all of us to some degree. To some degree. But God put in motion a plan to save us from our sins, to comfort us in our sorrows, and to rescue us from this wicked world through Jesus. Through Jesus. And he will judge the world with justice and punish every evil act. Now, some of you might say in response to this, well, okay, great. What is his delay? I mean, if God exists and God is good, then what is he waiting for? Maybe you. Maybe he's waiting for you. God doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. He's still waiting for people to get saved. He's still waiting for people to get saved. You see... For those of you who know Jesus, you could be anxious for God to settle this mess. But I still have friends and loved ones who don't know Jesus. And in that regard, his delay is his mercy. See, let's say you got saved in the last year and you came to faith in Christ. What if Jesus had come two years ago? You wouldn't be as happy for his quick return. Who he is waiting for and how long he will wait is his prerogative. But I know that in his delay, it is mercy for as many people to get saved. Yeah, but Pastor G, doesn't that mean, though, that with every generation that he waits, there's a greater number of people who will not respond to his love, and they will be condemned. So what's the deal there? I know. But who he's waiting for and how long he waits is his prerogative. His delay is his mercy. For as many people to get saved. And all I know is this. It's what John the Baptist said in Luke chapter 3. He was quoting from the prophet Isaiah. In Luke 3, 5 and 6. He said, every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. The rough ways smooth. And all mankind will see God's salvation. In other words, he says, all that seems out of order. And all that seems out of balance. And all that seems crooked in this world will be leveled and will be made straight. Every injustice will be judged. Every oppression will be lifted. And every evil will be punished. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 
So don't turn from God, please. Turn toward God and find His grace and His comfort and His hope in a wicked world. God will take care of this wicked world. And in the meantime, He will help us to persevere and He will comfort us along the way. Amen. We're so blessed to be able to bring you challenging and biblically-based teaching with each new edition of Cornerstone Connection. We hope your faith is made stronger each time you tune in, as well as each time you open your Bible for yourself. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Gary's teachings in the book of Ecclesiastes, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. We have an extensive archive of teachings available for you there, which you can listen to or watch right online. Feel free to share these with friends and family. You can also download our mobile app to keep God's Word with you as you go about your daily activities. Do you live in the Leesburg area, or will you be visiting soon? If so, we'd like to extend an invitation to join us for our weekly gatherings. We meet each week to spend time in prayer and worship, studying the Bible, and getting to know each other better. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to get service times, more information, and directions. You can also call us, 703-771-1500. We love getting to chat with our listeners and finding out how we can be praying for them. That number again is 703-771-1500. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.